the bottom line is it's your decision on whether to allow pets. And it's a personal decision. If you really don't want pets in your units, then stay the course of a no pet policy. If your rental is one that can easily accommodate pets and you don't mind the potential issues and cleanup, then go for it. Welcome to your Landlord Resource Podcast. Many moons ago, when I started as a landlord, I was as green as it gets. I may have had my real estate license, but I lacked confidence and the hands-on experience needed when it came to dealing with tenants, leases, maintenance, and bookkeeping. After many failed attempts, fast forward to today, Kevin and I have doubled our doors and created an organized, professionally operated rental property business. Want to go from overwhelmed to confident? If you're an ambitious landlord or maybe one in the making, join us as we provide strategies and teach actionable steps to help you reach your goals and the lifestyle you desire, all while building a streamlined and profitable rental property business. This is your Landlord Resource Podcast. Hey, hey there, landlords. Thank you for tuning in and listening to what we have to say today. It is episode 22, which is the best number ever. <laughs> my name is Stacy, and I'm here with my former boyfriend, Kevin. Hey, wait a minute. You know we're married now, right? Yeah, I do. That's why I called you my former boyfriend, because now you're my husband. Okay. Just, just want to make sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> we're all good. On today's podcast, we are discussing the pros and cons of renting to pet owners. And as we sit here recording this, we have our lovely yellow lab, Gracie, dead asleep on the bed. And oh boy, do opinions vary on this subject. Rental property owners are either totally for it and allow pets in all their units, no matter the size of the unit or of the pet, or they're dead set against it. My guess is that those against it likely have been burned in the past, right? Uh, I imagine a bulk of them, yeah, and we're in that group as well. But as you know, we are animal lovers. We have had cats and dogs throughout our whole lives. And where we do not allow pets in our properties located in California, we do allow them reluctantly in our fourplex in Idaho. That's right. In Idaho... All but I believe one of the units had tenants with pets when we bought it. And since they've all renewed their leases, those units still have the pets in them. Yeah, I, I wasn't too happy about having pets in the units, especially because much of the flooring in those units are carpeted. Okay, well, let's start off then with why landlords may not want to rent to tenants that are pet owners. And I want to clarify that this episode is focused mainly on renting to tenants who have pets, not service or emotional support animals. We do touch on those at the end a little bit, but today we're discussing primarily pets. So let's face it, providing housing and being rental property owners is a customer service-based business, which means what? It means the customer is always right. Yep, but that's not how the real estate industry works. We've said this many times before, your tenants are your clients. So do what you can to please them so they'll continue to pay rent on time, care for your property, and renew their leases year after year. 
At the same time, this doesn't mean you need to sacrifice your rental property for the sake of their happiness. Knowing when to say yes and when to say no to a tenant's request is important. Animals are sweet and cute and cuddly, but they can also be a mess too. They certainly can. The number one reason landlords do not allow pets is because they fear the pet will cause damage to the property. Dogs and cats can wreak havoc on hardwood floors or carpeted flooring. We have a yellow lab, Gracie, as we just said, and we do our best to keep her claws clipped, yet we have a million scratches in our hardwood floors from her, not to mention the muddy paws. Cats and dogs both like to chew up carpet and leave holes in it. And once a pet pees on a surface, they and any other animal that comes around will smell that and mark their spot there as well. And if a dog's got to go poop, they got to go. And if your tenant gets stuck at work and can't get home to let them out to relieve themselves, that dog is going to go where they can, which is the floor of your unit. Do you remember, I think it was a few years back, there was a carpet cleaning commercial that showed a dog scooting its butt along the carpet? <laughs> that alone was enough to make me think twice about ever having carpet again. Oh, even Gracie, when she does it on the grass, it just, it seriously grosses me out. Bottom line, wear and tear of rental properties tends to be much greater when pets are living in the property. This leads me to an another problem when allowing pets, and that's dealing with pet odors, fleas, and allergy issues. It can be very challenging to get rid of pet odors after a tenant vacates. That smell gets into the carpet, which you 100% have to replace after a pet's lived in your unit. And depending on how well your tenants have cared for that pet and the home, the smell and the dander can get into the ductwork as well. This can cause an issue for the next tenant who may have allergies to pets. So having a company come out and clean the ducts is a cost that you may have to consider if you're thinking about letting pets live in your rentals. Lastly, let's talk about fleas and the critters that commonly pop up with pets. A flea infestation is nasty to get rid of. Any carpets, drapes, or soft furniture that you provide for your unit will have to be treated or replaced if your tenant leaves you with the lovely gift of fleas. If your tenant keeps food stored on the floor near an exterior door, this can be a draw for rodents and any other critters to get inside the home. Once they know there's a food source there, they're going to continue to return. So now you're hiring a pest control company to keep fleas, rats, mice, squirrels, raccoons, etc. away from your rental property. Oh man, do you remember the time when we were gone for a couple of weeks and a rat got into the dog food container in the garage? Yeah, what I remember more is it set up its home and had babies in one of the bins. Oh, man, what a mess. I mean, that rat destroyed so many things in a real short period of time. So the last reason we want to point out why not to allow pets is that it may disrupt the neighbor's right to quiet enjoyment. First, you have the issue of noise. Dogs bark. Some bark a lot. According to the American Kennel Club, barking is the number one complaint about dogs. Can you control when or how long a dog barks? Nope. Now, think about allowing pets in a multifamily situation. This can mean there are multiple pets on the properties. You've got indoor cats, outdoor cats, dogs that like cats, dogs that don't like cats. 
Ask a vet their opinion about pets and apartments, and likely they will express concern. There are plenty of stories out there about dogs biting, attacking, and unfortunately even killing other dogs or outdoor cats. Consider if handling these kinds of landlord issues is something you're up for. All right, let's switch gears here and talk about why you should consider allowing pets in your rental property. Yeah, there's a lot of pros to think about when it comes to pets with rental properties. We should start with some facts, though. Millions of people own pets, specifically. 63% of families own a dog and 43% own a cat. Pet owners clearly make up a large portion of prospective tenants. So with those numbers, you can see that if you allow pets on your rental property, the pool of applicants will be much larger and plentiful to select from and you may be able to fill your vacancy faster. Along with the possibility of having more applicants and a shorter turnover period, there is a very healthy financial benefit to allowing pets. Typically, because there are fewer landlords that allow pets than those that don't, landlords in most states have the ability to charge a higher or additional pet rent for that accommodation. That's right, and pet owners have come to expect this increase in rent. So if you have multiple units, all with pets in them, that can be a significant increase to your bottom line each month. A side note here. Please make sure you know your local and state laws about restrictions on charging additional rent or deposit for pets. Some states do not allow landlords to charge anything for pets to reside in their rentals. So, along with the possibility of higher rent received, pet owners tend to rent their units longer. As there are less landlords who allow pets, these tenants tend to move less often because there's less options when looking for a new home to rent, which means you, as the landlord, have a lower turnover rate. Well, more rent and they lease your unit for longer, I mean, that, to me, that's a win-win for sure. It definitely is a win-win if you don't mind the work it will take to flip the unit when they finally vacate. Remember, a healthy amount of cash reserves may be needed when that day comes. Now, there are always exceptions, of course, but in general, pet owners are known to be excellent tenants. It's no secret that pets can help with someone's mental health and make them happier. So in turn, these tenants tend to respect your rental property and take better care of it. And with these happier tenants, it's been found that landlords tend to find less lease violations with pet owners. Another thing to be aware of is that a no pet policy clause in the lease can increase the likelihood of tenants trying to sneak in pets. Yeah, that has happened to us multiple times. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the story that the tenant was just watching their friend's cat or dog for a couple weeks. Then we have to serve them a notice and pump up the inspections to see if they have gotten rid of that pet. It really puts a sour taste in your mouth as a landlord, and all the trust goes out the door. And every single one of those tenants removed the pet, but then did not renew their lease and moved out as soon as they could. Yeah, well, there's no way that we can know when we vet an applicant if they're eventually going to bring a pet into the unit. We basically just have to trust until given a reason not to. So why don't we switch gears here? We've discussed both the pros and cons of allowing pets in your rental property. Now let's talk a little more about some tips on how to be prepared if you decide to allow those furry little friends to be residents in your rental property. 
We'll start with the lease. Regardless of you having a pet or no pet policy, you'll need to make sure you have a solid pet clause in your lease. This will clearly state the additional rent charged per pet or if you have any breed or size restrictions. Additionally, the lease should notate where the pets are or are not allowed to be on the property. For instance, if your rental has a pool. Dogs and pools are fun, but their hair can clog the filtration system, causing it to fail and leaving the pool that beautiful shade of green. Or maybe you have a nice lawn or garden. Do you want the pets to urinate or dig it up? Landlords should also have a policy on pets being vaccinated. Tenants should show that proof, and if we're being honest here, they should be required to provide that proof year after year. Lastly, if you allow pets in your rental properties, do yourself a favor and require an additional security deposit. Let me jump in here. Do you notice how Kevin said an additional deposit and not a pet deposit? This is very important, so pay attention to what I'm about to say. When you collect a security deposit, that is generally for issues that arise from the negligent on the part of the tenant. If you want more of a deposit when there is a pet involved and you name this extra security deposit as a quote-unquote pet deposit, you are only allowed to use those funds towards damage that is caused by the pet. No broken windows, no getting rid of smoke smell, not damaged appliances, where replacement costs are going to exceed that initial security deposit. By naming it a quote-unquote additional deposit, you can use that money to cover any damages that the regular security deposit does not cover. Never specifically name your deposits or you are putting a major restriction on those funds. I really love that tip. So many landlords are just dumbfounded when we explain that to them. Okay, so one thing I want to point out if you're going to allow pets is to have proper insurance. I mean, renter's insurance is an absolute must regardless of pets. And many landlords require a higher liability from renter's insurance when pets are present. And landlords beware, sometimes your own liability policy is going to have restrictions on pets. So make sure you're talking to your insurance agent to verify that. There have definitely been cases where the landlord has allowed a pet to live on their property and has gotten sued when that pet injured another person on or off the property. The responsibility can filter down to ultimately whoever allowed that pet to reside in the rental property. Well, I think this is an excellent segue into our next point, which is pet screening. I won't go too deep into it here because we have an episode specifically covering this subject coming up in a couple months, but do yourself a favor and require pet screening. You vet your tenants by doing thorough background checks. You should do the same for any pet allowed. Know if they are neutered or spayed, what their demeanor is, if they've been vaccinated, etc. There are a couple of companies out there that will do this for a reasonable fee. We like our pet policy. They screen pets, make sure ESA certificates are valid, and help you feel confident that the pets living in your unit are healthy and safe. We'll put a link in the show notes for you to check them out. Okay, on to the last thing we want to discuss, and that is fair housing when it comes to pets. Man, okay, this is a temperamental subject, so if you're not up on your fair housing laws for rental properties, you need to really get on it. 
It, it seems like that law is changing all the time. So here's where some of the confusion comes in. You have the federal law of fair housing through HUD, Housing and Urban Development, but you also have state and local laws that are passed that can add to the fair housing requirements and really confuse landlords, especially those who own rentals out of state. Today we are primarily discussing pets, so we'll keep the subject of service animals and ESAs brief. The three I just mentioned are all totally different categories when it comes to animals and rentals. You have those prospective tenants who are clearly disabled and have an animal, typically a dog, to assist them and it never leaves their side. As a landlord, you cannot refuse to rent to an applicant because they have a service animal. It has to be a reason beyond that, like a credit or financial issue. A person with a service animal is allowed to have that animal with them wherever they go, even in your no pets allowed rental property. Some examples are animals that help guide the blind, some that help those in wheelchairs by opening doors, picking up drop things off the ground, stuff like that. Their job is to serve first and be a friend last. There is absolutely no doubt when you see these animals that they are service animals. ESAs, or emotional support animals, have been a huge bone of contention with many landlords as many states recognize these animals as a necessary component to stabilizing a person's mental health. When quote-unquote pets are not allowed, many tenants will fake a mental health issue so they can have the pet. The kicker is landlords are not allowed to charge an additional rent or deposit when an animal has been deemed an ESA. So the incentive to earn more money by allowing pets is eliminated when someone deems their animal an ESA. There are fake ESA certificates that tenants can order online for a flat fee. I mean, totally, completely faked. But many landlords won't take the time needed to do their due diligence and find out if the certificate presented to them is authentic or not. Again, this is why we suggest using a pet screening service like our pet policy. So to learn more about fair housing and ESAs, you guys should check out the Fair Housing Institute. They offer complete comprehensive courses that cover all the fair housing laws. And I believe that they also do certification as well. And we highly recommend all DIY landlords take the course at least every other year so they stay up on all the changes in the fair housing laws. But if you rather just learn about ESAs, they have a course specifically focused on it. They've been gracious enough to give our listeners 15% off all their courses. Use code YLR2023 when you check out. That's YLR2023. We will also put the code in our show notes. The bottom line is it's your decision on whether to allow pets, and it's a personal decision. If you really don't want pets in your units, then stay the course of a no-pet policy. If your rental is one that can easily accommodate pets and you don't mind the potential issues and cleanup, then go for it. Maybe you own a single-family home that has a nice big yard and parks and trails nearby for dog owners to exercise Fido. Maybe your duplex is a side-by-side style and the backyards are separated by a fence. so You don't have to worry about the dog commingling with the other unit. Maybe you only allow cats that have been fixed. But regardless of your decision, 
make sure you have everything clearly written in the lease, even if the tenant does not currently own a pet. The policy should also include when a guest brings a pet onto your property as well. This way, if they decide to get a pet down the road, you've covered yourself by stating your pet policy. If pets are allowed, list anything and everything that tenants need to know before they bring that pet home. If you don't allow pets, make it clear of what the ramifications are should they or a guest bring a pet on property. That's our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you tuning in and we hope you've enjoyed our content. If you'd like to have the podcast link delivered to your email, we have a free newsletter called Landlord Weekly that we send to our subscribers. It comes out every Tuesday and it includes a deep dive into our tips, early access to our blogs, landlord-specific articles that are written by other industry pros, our favorite landlord products that we use in our business, and the most recent link to this podcast. You can subscribe at yourlandlordresource.com forward slash subscribe. That's yourlandlordresource.com forward slash subscribe. We will also include the link to subscribe in the show notes. We really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to what we have to say and that you find our podcast helpful and useful. Please subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps us move up the charts and get recognized by other DIY rental property owners. And if you don't mind, would you please take a moment to leave a kind review of this podcast? That is the best way for other landlords to see how great it is. So I am Stacy, signing off with Kevin. And Gracie. And Gracie. And until next time, you've got this, landlord. (laughs) 